Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I got a chance to talk with two first-time filmmakers, Marcus Scott and Heath Hetherington, who together co-wrote and co-directed a new feature film called Recovery. It's a thriller, and it's available on Vimeo On Demand starting October 13th. Let's get into it. And here we are with Heath Hetherington and Marcus Scott. How are you guys? Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having us. We're really good. Yeah, really good. Pleasure to be here. Great. Now, now you guys uh, made a film called Recovery. And uh, in July, it was at the Miami Film Festival? Yeah, that's correct. So we, uh, it was actually the first film festival that we got, got accepted to. Um, so back in July, and then from there, we've it's been picked up at a couple of other film festivals and um, uh, and it's received a few other awards. That's great. It's uh, it's a feature film and it's uh, a thriller. Yeah, well, we initially wrote it as a horror, but then as we were going through it, um, we wanted to give a bit more depth to the um, the villain or antagonist. So um, we as we added more in, it sort of became more dramatic and then sort of moved from a horror to a thriller. Is this your first film? Uh, yeah, it's um, both the uh, both of us. It's the first film uh, that we've created. Um, I've done. Um, oh, just just to confirm as well, uh, I'm Marcus Scott. The other voice was Heath <laughs> Everington. Uh, I've worked on sort of little bits, uh, independent stuff, just sort of uh, run ad sound, very uh, low level things. Uh, so this is the first time I've done anything like uh, directing. Uh, not even a shot before this. Uh, this is uh, Heath's um, first project um, of any kind uh, within the uh, film world. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually um, had the idea, the, the way it came about that we made this uh, was I've always wanted to uh, work in the film. Uh, and we met up in January of 2016. Um, and I just suggested the idea to Heath. Um over the next couple of hours, uh, we'd met in a bar, we had a few drinks, uh, and then just from there, uh, based on a sort of one-line log line, uh, somebody goes out drinking, passes out, and is kidnapped. Uh, we developed that into the basis of the uh, film that we've created now. Now, I, I have never co-written or co-directed. Uh, what was that experience like for you guys? So, well, the writing part of it uh, was fairly simple. Essentially, uh, Marcus wrote the sort of meat of it uh, initially. So he came to me with, I think at that point that we had about 40 pages mm-hmm. um, and very stock standard uh, dialogue uh, and that sort of thing. And then I went through it, went, I think we should add things in here. We should change this dialogue. We should do that. Uh, you know, I think the film should go in this direction. Uh, and then, so it was more of a back and forth of of he would send me 
what he thought, I would send him what I thought, and then we'd sort of meet in the middle for the most part. Um, with the directing side of things, there wasn't uh, as sort of clear a plan with it. Mm -hmm. So what, what we sort of ended up doing uh, was that sort of in the more, uh, the more character type parts, um, Marcus took over that. Anything that involved any sort of uh, like the fight scenes or or um, you know any sort of blood effects or anything like that, I took over the directing on those. Hmm. There were a, there were a few sort of back and forths where I did some uh, dialogue scenes, but for the most part, that's how it went. That's a that's a good way to split it up, you know, divide and conquer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there were there were parts as well where you know uh, it was it was a case of. Um, that, you know, Marcus had to, because we didn't have runners, we didn't have a particularly big crew, you know, Marcus might have had to run off to do something. So not to stop the shoot, I would take over. You guys were nice enough to send me the film and I got to check it out. Um, what struck me is um, the smart use of locations. Um, a lot of it takes place in the same spot, which, um, you know, like Reservoir Dogs, it'll save you a lot of money and setups and all that. Um, did you guys build that into the script? So in regards to the locations, yeah, it was built into the script. We were looking for one location to do the the sort of basement and, and the house um, part. And we actually got very lucky with one of uh, Marcus's friends who let us take over his house for a week. Um, very nice. So, yeah. Um, so it was, it was very interesting. He, he would go off to work and we'd, we'd turn up and do our shooting and then he'd come home and we'd have these actors filing out the place and we'd be packing up all the uh, equipment and whatnot. Mm -hmm. In regards to the bar scenes um, and, and the party scene, the party scenes actually shot in my flat and the, the bar scenes downstairs are actually shot in the, the pub that I lived above. Oh. Um, so... I, I knew the I, I knew the uh, the owner pretty well, so I uh, got permission to shoot in the bar before it opened mm -hmm. uh, in the morning. So it was all it was all in the script um, beforehand uh, that we were going to shoot in um, in the bar and and uh, and have that sort of party location. Right. And and with the uh, basement, yeah, it was definitely just a. Um, uh, it was lucky that we got that location as well. Now, if you're if you're living a, above a pub, how much of this story is autobiographical? Not not that much. Well, thankfully, I very rarely very rarely had trouble making it home from said pub. Right, <laughs> um, it was normally just up a flight of stairs, so there's there's not a lot that can go wrong in that sort of uh, scenario. <laughs> now, your your production company is. OBD Films. Can you let the people know uh, what that stands for? Uh, well, um, it stands for um, Orphaned by Dingoes, uh, which is a reference to uh, Heath's uh, Australian heritage. Hmm. So um, you're, you're scheduled for October release. Is that still on? You want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, so uh, we're scheduled for release on uh, the 13th of uh, October. Uh, so it's a couple of weeks before uh, Halloween. Uh, we're looking to sort of capitalize on on that. Even though it is a thriller, uh, we think we've got good potential to 
um, get some uh, viewers who are looking for like a scary or thrilling film to watch on uh, Halloween. Uh, so that's why we've picked uh, October the 13th to be the release date. Great. Um, I must say, I really enjoyed the acting in this film. Um, you got some great actors. How'd you, how'd you go about uh, finding them? Uh, well, it's um, interesting. The, the way that we found uh, most of the actors uh, was through uh, just hiring online. Uh, what was the uh, website called again, Heath? Uh, Film and TV Pro. Uh, Film and TV Pro. So we just put adverts out looking for people uh, uh, who just wanted experience in a feature-length film. Um, the amount of uh, replies that we got for the majority of roles, um, anyone, any role that could be had by somebody who was young uh, would just be flooded with um, applicants for it. So uh, mm. the main character, Philip, we had quite a few for that. Um, Shelley, the um, woman that he um, flirts with in the uh, house party scenes at the beginning, we had a few applicants for that. Um, and the way that we found Philip uh, was just through these online application um, applications. Uh, Adam Crane, uh, who was the who's the actor who plays Philip, he was um, by far the best person that applied for the um, Philip role online. And after a few auditions, it became clear that he was the person that we wanted. Um, and luckily, scheduling didn't conflict, so we got him. Uh, and the way that we got. AJ, uh, who plays Wayne, the villain in the film, uh, we actually approached him uh, online as well through Casting Call Pro, um, sent him the script, he um, did a Skype interview with us, uh, read a couple of scenes, uh, he really got the balance we thought right between um, sympathetic enough for the audience to relate to him, but also menacing enough to be an authentic threat for the main characters uh so he he was he was bringing that balance to the role that other people who other people would sort of go too far in the direction of being menacing uh that was the main problem we, we had people on who would play it as sort of a campy or cardboard villain mm -hmm. uh but aj really did nail that part yeah i thought he was great i thought they were all great i also enjoyed uh some of the camera angles some of the setups were, were interesting, you know, uh, the framing. Um, uh, did you two make those decisions or uh, your DP? Yeah, so um, with with the um, uh, working with Rob, uh, the um, cinematographer, he was um, he did take the lead on on some of the shots. Uh, there were there were shots that we particularly wanted in the film. We were sort of very, you know, tight for time and stuff like that. A lot of the time we were like, okay, how can we get this done as quickly as possible? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the time with the more sort of tricky shots, um, uh, it, you know, those, those took a lot of time. And one of the things that was probably most frustrating for me was uh, the, uh, the shot at the beginning of the film where, the, where, where he's, he's laying down and then the... Uh, the camera sort of pulls out mm -hmm. uh, the essentially for the most part of the first day was trying to get that right. And then, um, and then in the morning on the second day, uh, also getting that right. What actually ended up in the film was a fixed still shot. And it was actually the, the zoom out was done in post. Oh, um, very so, nice. Uh, for me, that I found that completely uh, infuriating, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, 
because uh, because we essentially lost a whole day to a shot that we didn't ed- end up using. So, but you know, so a lot of it was trying to work with him as best we could to to actually you know get get some more interesting shots in the film. But you know, because of um, because of time constraints and that sort of thing, a lot of it was also just very you know standard uh, shots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two days to get a shot you're not going to use. And then you said you spent a week in, in the house. So how long was the, the whole shoot altogether? Uh, the whole shoot was um, 10 days. So um, wow. mo- the most part of it was in the, um, was shot in the, in the house in the basement and that sort of thing. So that was a straight through seven days. And then the, uh, the house party scenes and the bar scenes that took us three days to shoot. In fact, um, with the bar scenes and the house party scenes, as I said, because I'm above a pub, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them were just half days, in fact, um, because at at uh, 12.30 when the pub would open, they'd start playing music. And obviously, <laughs> you, you, if you're shooting a film, you can't have that sort of music in the background. So a lot of the time we'd have to sort of wrap up halfway through the day. So we... Looking back on it, on in in the house we had a lot more wiggle room than we did with the uh, um, with the the parties the party scenes and the bar scenes and mm-hmm. and I think it was good the the order that we did it in because by the time we got to the house and the um, uh, sorry the party and the bar scenes by the time we got there we'd sort of worked up uh, we'd worked out how each of us works together. Um, and so things were running a lot more smoothly. Uh, we were able to get things set up, get things done, um, and, and get it through uh, as you know as quickly as we could. So yeah, it was uh, the last day was really good because um, that 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 last day was down in the pub. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd we'd shot a whole bunch of it. Uh, we we had um, we had Adam drinking the beers. They're actual beers that he's drinking. And then essentially when we finished the scene, we'd get a new beer. Like if, once we finished the take, sorry, we'd get him a new beer and whoever else was on the set would drink the rest of the beer. So by the time we finished it, we were about ready to go out for a few more drinks. So <laughs> it was a good last day. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, 10 days, that's pretty impressive uh, for a feature length. I, I got to give you guys props. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, 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 it was incredible. Incredibly stressful, though. Um, I've, I've probably never in my life been under that much stress mm. to to get things done and and make sure things were finished and you know make sure we've got all the shots. And after we finished it, I, we said we'd never never do anything that short again. Mm-hmm. Like we'd never try and do a feature on ten days again because uh, you know it it is uh, everything has to run smoothly. If things aren't running smoothly, it, it it throws everything out, and then you have to, then you have to uh, actually, you know, give up on things. The the film itself is uh, driven by a lot of dialogue. Um, what what challenges did you face um, in shooting those scenes with the actors? Uh, well, I think the um, the thing with dialogue scenes, um, which is the difficulty with any kind of independent film, is just making sure that they flow well. Uh, and that you're not just using sort of stationary shot, reverse shot, 
uh, kind of things constantly. So a lot of things that we tried to do with the film um, was trying to use sort of the way that the where the characters were in relation to each other to signify um, where they were in sort of the power balance between the two. Um, like we tried to use the location as in a symbolic way as much as possible as well, because uh, the film is a journey. Um, so Philip, our main character, it's him learning how he can escape sort of the nightmare that he's got waking up in this basement, how he can get out. And it's uh, Wayne, the uh, antagonist, uh, the villain character. It's his sort of moral reckoning with whether what he's doing is correct. So uh, as the dialogue scenes move, uh, go forwards, um, sort of Philip becomes, uh, he's much, he's like shot from below a lot more. At the beginning, he's shot from down uh, to indicate his powerlessness. Uh, later on, he's shot from below facing up to show that he's sort of increased uh, in dominance throughout the film. Uh, so that was kind of one of the challenges that we had, just making it interesting and that it wasn't just level shot on level shot. Right. Um, obviously, it's visual medium. You want Because uh, I think with independent films, there's obviously always the idea that you could possibly, you know, just end up with two people talking to each other and it's not visually stimulating. So that was kind of the thing that we were trying to combat with the film. Um, and I think we, we did it relatively well. I think as you, it, there is a lot of visual stuff in in there. The music is is fairly subtle, but it, it plays a, a fairly big part, at least in 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 the storytelling for me when I watched it. Um, how was that process? Did you work with a a, a music uh, composer, or um, how how did you get the uh, the music going? Uh, yeah, um, he well, um, he was someone who came on um, very late in the uh, film, uh, Jack uh, Jack Ferran. Um, we got him after all of the shooting was done and the editing was done. Um, we had the sound, um, the sound hadn't been finished yet. It was all uh, in camera audio at this point when we got uh, Jack on board. Uh, and we, uh, we got him and Stuart, who's, uh, who also has a role in the film and he is also the uh, sound editor and he did sound on the film itself. Uh, so we all sat down and discussed how we get the sound to go with the score. Uh, and it was then a few months process where we would get different pieces of score uh, against the film. Uh, we would play. There was a lot of different trying different things, seeing what worked. Some of it was more, uh, some of the earlier ones were subtler than what's in the film. Some of it went uh, more towards being sort of standard horror score so it was a lot of a lot of the score um process was refining it into what it is where i think it uh it's more character based with horror films i think a lot of it's to try and get scares i think with recovery it's more to sort of chart the emotional landscape of what's happening more than just to scare the audience you already impressed me with the the 10-day shoot how, how long did the editing process take altogether uh, much much longer. <laughs> yeah. So um, with with the editing, um, uh, we we got um, Ben who who actually works um, as a sort of commercial editor. So he does he does um, uh, television commercials. He also does uh, like training videos and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. And he really wants to get into uh, film rather than uh, commercial work. Um, so he he took it on um the the issue that we had there was that that he was only working on it sort of on weekends and in spare time and that sort of thing 
Mm. Um, so it did take an incredibly long time for it to actually uh, be edited. A lot of the time spent was he would send something to us. He'd do, say, 20 minutes of the film. He'd send it to us. Marcus and I'd meet up, go through it, make notes, send it back. He'd make changes, send it back, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. We actually, uh, so it was all done remotely, which I think is uh, potentially what um, made it a lot longer than it needed to be because um, we then, once he'd sort of done the full uh, full film, he, he, he then came up to uh, my house up in Leeds and we just sat down and, and went through the film and the amount of work that we got done on that day uh, as compared to the, the back and forth um, that we had was just, it was just phenomenal. <laughs> like I, I would, if, if I was to do it again, I would definitely be in that room straight away. This is what we want to do, you know, uh, and then, and then maybe do the back and forth. But, uh, but I think we, uh, it's one of those things where you just learn from doing it. No, oh, of course. That's so a big part of filmmaking, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, yeah, I, I've learned, well, I've, I've never sort of really done anything particular with films and, and the amount of stuff that I've learned through this process about, uh, you know, uh, filming and uh, editing, like I, I now uh, edit videos and that sort of thing, uh, which I'd never done before, um, and sound design and sound mixing, all these things that I've sort of, uh, I've now become interested in and now do more as a hobby um, is is just, it's amazing. I think at the moment uh, with how easy it is to get get programs to do different things, uh, you know, doing your sound design, doing your editing, all that sort of thing, most of them are free, freely available. Um, I use uh, HitFilm um, uh, for, for editing and and the amount of like online tutorials and stuff like that it's just it's just amazing the wealth of knowledge that is out there and you can you can just sort of self-teach yourself these things and then um use that to sort of create your own content um uh which i think you sort of it in in this sort of you know age we're living living in like there is so much opportunity for you just to create content uh, whether it be good or bad or, or whatever, you can you can just get it out there so easily. Uh, and it's and you know I don't think that fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, we would have would have even gotten close to making recovery. Um, but with you know digital uh, filming and and um, and you know even like even like decent internet uh, and emails and stuff like that has has made it a hell of a lot easier to sort of make films uh, like recovery. Um, and it, I think it's something that, that people sort of also need to realize a bit is that, uh, is that, you know, you can just get out there and make your own things. You don't, you don't have to sort of, um, it's not one of those things where you sort of have to wait for someone to give you permission to do it. It's, you just, just get out there. Um, you, you find people on the internet or, or whatever, uh, you know, who are who are also interested in filmmaking and and that sort of thing, and then they they help you out. They bring their experience, and and you sort of learn together. Um, and yeah, you create great things. Another thing that um, can only really be done now, as Heath was saying, sort of innovations in the last ten years, uh, it is being sold through Vimeo. Um, so it's. 
$3.99 to buy now. Um, if you pre-order it before it comes out using the code on the website, afterwards it's $4.99. Uh, all profits will be shared with actors and crew uh, to make up for the um, obviously work they've put into it. Um, and that obviously would have just been, well, that would have been impossible like any time before the last couple of years, really. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not relying on a producer to pick it up and put it in the cinemas. We're not uh, relying on a TV or a DVD deal. It's all straight dealing with ourselves. Yeah, Vimeo On Demand is great. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Vimeo. Yeah, it's just opened it up so much to be in the hands of the content creators rather than the people who, you know, it's so much in the, in the hands of directors now rather than uh, producers and big production companies. We think it's a great innovation. You definitely pulled it off uh, for first-time filmmakers. And there's a lot of guys that are going to listen to this and uh, be inspired to, to take the risk and, and make their own film. What, what have you guys learned, uh, if there was like one thing each maybe, that, that you could impart on these people? What advice could you give? Um, well, I've got um, one actually related to locations. It's kind of a small one, but I think it goes to like a bigger theme. So I think mm-hmm. what I'd recommend for anyone who's shooting in a location, we were kind of lucky because it was sort of a friend's house so we could get away with more. I would say no matter what location it is, take a lot of photos on like your phone um, or like Polaroid camera, whatever you've got, something where you can save the photos beforehand so you know what, how to put it back together exactly as it looked sort of at the beginning. Because sort of one of the things we did with this was, um, this um, obviously there's some violent scenes in it, things get sort of pushed around a lot. So after we'd filmed it, we um, sort of left the location not as it was at the beginning and um, sort of, so a lot of work that we had, so we didn't, um, we could have treated the sort of house in better and sort of af- afterwards um, it were it, we probably could have done that better with the just to cut through relations with the uh, owner of the house mm. so I'd say definitely with your locations make sure that you're able to put them back as they as they were at the beginning it's sort of a little one but an important one especially if you've got you might need to do reshoots later on luckily we didn't but you know keep keep everyone happy and chipping away and you know stuff that's free to do like just making sure everything's tidy and as it was before with locations that's good advice yeah i think for me uh probably you can never do too much planning <laughs> um with recovery i i one of the things was that we got there um in the basement there was actually a large uh window uh in there but it was covered by a bookcase so when we took the bookcase out uh there there was obviously this this large window which would create a bit of a why don't they just get out the window <laughs> type mm-hmm. story. Oh, yeah right yeah so so then what what that ended up meaning was we had to go down to the local hardware store uh i had to buy some plasterboard and essentially create a new wall had i sort of had a bit more time to plan, had a bit more time to think about it. There is there is something to be said about making sure that things work, making sure that, you know, the location is right, making sure that, you know, uh, you know, the lighting's right and all these sort of things, because as soon as as soon as you go to set something up and it doesn't work, that's that's going to eat into your time. And if you can do as much as you possibly can before you get on set, 
make sure everything is working. That is that is time that is not wasted. Well, Heath, Marcus, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. This was a, a great conversation. Thank you for having us. It was, yeah, it was a really good conversation. Yeah, thanks for having us. And uh, yeah, we look forward to promoting further films on here. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to seeing uh, your, your, your later films and how the uh, filmmaking career progresses. Thank you very much. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. Feel free to check out the show notes at IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter at IndieFilmGrit. And uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up. But before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough? Indie Film Grid.